Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let us stand to our feet and let's prepare our hearts and our mind for what the Lord wants to do, what the Lord wants to say to to us tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Amen. I hope at some point in time this week, you took the time out to pray and consecrate yourself and hear the voice of God, commune with God, and allow God to help you. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. And I'm always going to challenge you and ask you what will you allow the Lord to do in your life differently? This evening, that didn't happen Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. I That was one of my motive living for God, is that every service that I went to, didn't matter what kind it was. Didn't matter if it was Bible study. Didn't matter if it was worship service. Didn't matter if it was marriage seminar, which we have next Friday and Saturday. Tell somebody, make sure you come. It didn't matter if it was just a revival, a rally. Whatever the service was, I always wanted to get something out of it that will change my life, that will help me to be more the man of God that I could be. And so I challenge you tonight to pray and ask God to help you that whatever will transpire here tonight in the teaching of the Word of God it will impact you in a way that you will be changed. Something will be different when you leave here. How about we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give honor to you tonight for who you are, all the great things you have done. Great and mighty is your name. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, we're grateful, we're thankful to be gathered together again in your name, under your banner. It is you, O God, that we've come to seek and to worship. O God, it is you that we've come to have communion with, Lord God. And tonight we ask, Lord, that you will help us, for we want nothing, O God, to get in our way tonight. We want nothing to prevent us, Lord God, from Oh, God, receiving from you just what you intended for us to receive. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us of our sins, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you will purge us from all iniquities. We pray that the blood of Jesus will be applied to our life one more time. We pray, Almighty God, that you will deliver us, Lord God, from evil. We pray, Almighty God, that you will set us free, that we will be liberated to give you honor, to praise you, to exalt your name, to worship you in the beauty of holiness. Oh, God, we want nothing to hinder us that when we walk out of this place tonight, oh, God, we will be better off than before we came in. Something will be different within us. There will be spiritual growth and maturity and connectivity that we will have with you tonight, Lord. Oh, God, hear our heart. Hear our prayers tonight, Lord God. For we're looking to you, Lord God, to speak to us tonight. We're looking to you to order our steps. But more than anything else, Lord God, we want an encounter with you that is so powerful that we will be overshadowed, that we will be empowered, that we will be bold, that we will be courageous, that we will walk differently, that we will talk differently because of your power overwhelming and overshadowing us. Oh God, have your way. Will you reveal the mysteries of the scriptures? Will you, almighty God, have your way in our understanding that Lord we will receive the word of God as you intended hallelujah oh great is the Lord and greatly to be praised I pray that you will anoint me tonight to speak as your oracle and touch the hearing of the hearers that they will hear indeed what the spirit is saying unto the church have your way tonight Lord God oh father let us be free to 
will worship you tonight, Lord God, to praise you, to magnify your name, Lord, to bless your name, for there is none like you. Oh, God, have your way. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. We love you. We adore you. And we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise you. For there is none like you. You alone are worthy of the honor and the glory. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for praying along with us. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Appreciate everyone that have tuned in tonight virtually. Amen. We greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we pray that God will speak to your heart tonight. And that right where you are, you can experience God's power. You can experience God's touch. Amen. Wherever we are, we can experience it. Every time we come together, we have to endeavor, make up in our mind to say, God, I want something to happen to me right where I am. Right where I am, I want something to happen to me. I, I, I've seen where people have worried about, you know, and I've told you my story, where we worry about how God will work in our life. How about you make a genuine promise to God that however he wants to work, you won't refuse it. However he wants to work in your life through you, you'll say, God, let it be done. It doesn't matter if I look silly to me or to anyone else. If you want to do whatever you want to do, God, just do it, and I will respond in gratefulness in obedience and faith. Amen. We're going to talk to you a little bit tonight. Um, i got a little bit of teaching to do, and I hope you can stick with me a little bit and um, allow God to speak to your heart as we get into our, our teaching tonight. I believe God wants us to understand some things about his word. But I want you to think about this week. Uh, you might hear a lot of preachers, you know, talk about how, you know, Things aren't like they used to be. And, I, I, you know, I don't like saying that a whole lot because I know um, things changes. But I do know this. I pray to God that we that are in the church will really become more passionate about the things of God and about Jesus Christ. Because this week is what they call Holy Week. But we know why it's Holy Week, right? We know why this week is Holy Week. This week is Holy Week because, uh, first of all, Jesus always is the precedent setter, right? And he's the one that always establishes things and then everything else follows. And this is the week where Jesus Christ um, was crucified. This is the week where he died. But it's a whole process to what took place. It was a process. And if you, I was curious, and I studied this and still do, curious as to everything that transpired all the way up to his crucifixion and his death. I wanted to know about that. I wanted to know about, you know, how everything transpired all the way to the crucifixion and him being um, risen from the dead. I wanted to know all about that because I know that he went through an extended, extensive amount of punishment and all kind of uh, things that he went through to complete this process. And it's I can't just sit back in my comfort zone knowing that over 2,000 years ago, he went through all of this for all of us, and we are treating it like just business as usual. It's another Thursday. It's another Friday. If you really break it down, um, I don't know who called it Ash Wednesday, um, but they probably don't even know. We, you know, we get so many traditions going that we don't even know where we are. But um, Ash Wednesday evening was probably when he died. Yeah. 
And so if you want to get three days and three nights in the grave, um, that, that, that's where it started. He probably died somewhere um, before 6 p.m. on Wednesday. And so he was in there Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, Saturday night, and he rose before 6 p.m. Saturday evening. Yes, because in the in the Jewish calendar, a new day starts 6.01 p.m., just like how in America, a new day starts 12.01 for them is 6.01 p.m. So he wanted to get out of that grave before what would consider the next day. So he got his his three day would be Wednesday evening somewhere after three o'clock, but before six o'clock. And it took him all the way through to Saturday before uh, six o'clock. But after three o'clock somewhere, he rose from the grave. And so when Mary and them went to the tomb Sunday morning early, he, he was out of there a good little while. But I, I'm just saying all of that just to say, do we sit down and meditate and 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 become more passionate, feel more driven to say, how do I live out this life to know what he went through for me today? How do I embrace this? How do I make this better? Am I satisfied in the way I'm living my life when I know what he has gone through for me? And so these are the things that I hope you will challenge yourself and ask yourself, how are you handling that? How are you doing that? So tonight I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this on this topic, remembering the Passover, remembering the Passover. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures tonight, and if you can read along with me, that will be great. I'll start tonight in Exodus chapter 12, verse number one. The word of the Lord is going to explain to us the, the real Passover, right? After, before this and after this, everything else was a description of the Passover, this is the Passover that we're reading, okay? So let's just read the Passover and see what it was all about when it took place. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper doorposts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in, the, in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your, your, shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when ye see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you 
to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. God gave Moses all of the instruction as to what he was getting ready to do for the true Passover, the Passover that will happen. So this is from God's mouth to Moses' ears. So Moses had to go back to all the children of Israel and tell them what God said because God said he was going to do this. And we know when you read further then the Passover actually happened. But this is God's instruction to Moses about what he was getting ready to do. God will share his plans with his people. God will share his plans with his people. I was talking to someone um, today and I said, uh, if God don't, didn't want us to take the vaccine, he would tell us. I'm just saying, everybody can take any position that they want, but I just know God loves us. I know God wants the best for us and God is not going to make us walk into a wall if we can't see it. So if, if, if God is going to do something special, he is going to share it with his people. And if you look through scriptures over and over, whatever God is going to do, he shared it with his people. So he shared what he was going to do with Moses. Numbers chapter 9, verse 1. Numbers chapter 9, verse 1. The word of God says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt. Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the 14th day of this month at evening, ye shall keep it in his appointed season, according to all the rites of it and according to all the ceremonies thereof shall you keep it. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at evening in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. Remembering the Passover. Since the actual Passover, where all firstborn died, if the blood was not applied, over their doorposts and the sides of their doorposts, the Passover is now celebrated as a meal of remembrance. So since the actual Passover, from that day forward, every year, the Passover is memorialized. It's celebrated. It's recognized by a meal, which is called the Passover meal. When Jesus observed the Passover with his disciple, his disciples, he ensured the church would remember the salvation offered by his death, burial, and resurrection instead of the salvation of the Jews from the land of Egypt. So understand what's going on here. What he did for those people his own people, the, 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 the Israelites, when he led them out of bondage, when the Passover took place, he wanted it to be a memorial for them to remember what he had done for them. And so they established this Passover meal, and now they will remember forever what God had done for them when he passed over. That's what he did for the Israelites when they were in bondage in slavery. However... Today, we're different, and so he's doing something different for us, but I'll explain that more to you. The Passover meal is not a typical holiday meal. There is an order and a process to the meal, including hand-washing prescribed at the beginning of the meal. Each part of the meal is exact and, and, and done together with everyone present. The parts of the meal must be eaten in a certain order because the food itself is symbolic and representative of the first Passover where God delivered Israel from Pharaoh. The most important contents of the Passover meal are parsley, which is called bitter herbs, 
So the parsley is the bitter herbs, and it was dipped in salt water. The other thing was the matzah, which is unleavened bread. The other thing was the actual lamb and then wine. So those were the recipe of what they had for the Passover. Parsley, which is bitter herbs, dipped in salt water, matzah, unleavened bread, the lamb itself, and then wine. Each element of the Passover meal carries significant meaning and a symbolic purpose. The food at Passover is also eaten in a ritual way according to a specific order. First, the parsley or bitter herbs are dipped into the salt water and eaten. This is representative of how bitter Israel bondage was when they were enslaved in Egypt. That's why he wanted them to have the bitter herbs. The salt water represents the tears of the descendants of Jacob. The matzah, which is unleavened bread, calls the people to remember that the children of Israel did not have time to wait for the bread to rise as they were getting ready to flee Egypt. They left Egypt in a hurry before Pharaoh could change his mind after the final plague. Looking forward, however, the matzah is also representative of the manner Israel received from God in their wilderness wanderings. During Israel's time in the wilderness, manna was the bread of life that kept the people physically fed. However, the matzah is ultimately representative of the bread of life that is given to us by the word of God. Are you seeing this? How God is nobody. I, there is, I don't care how brilliant you are. I don't know how people think that man could be this creative or this brilliant. But if you read this Bible carefully and you watch the little small details that God includes in how this life worked in what he had done way back then and how it all had significance all the way up till now. He was showing us little by little what was to come and the significance of things. But sometimes because we're just so consumed by what's immediate and around us and the physical that we never look to the spiritual and say, God, what does this mean? We just go on with what we like to do all the time. But God was so strategic in what he is putting together all the plan that he has and he was going someplace with his plan and he was revealing it to us if we wanted to see the lamb eaten at the Passover meal is for the remembrance of the blood of spotless lambs that were slain on the night of the final plague of judgment God sent an angel to kill the firstborn of every family in the land of Egypt the only households spared were those with doors and entrances covered by the blood of a spotless lamb. The lambs that were slain were without blemish and without any broken bone. Can I pause here to tell you this? Whether we like it or not, you know, we have our different hangups and we have our different thoughts about different things. But let me tell you something. Without the church, people cannot be saved. This is not because I'm a part of the church why I'm saying this, because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about our plan. What I'm showing you is God's pattern. God said that he is going to pass over and the death, he will pass over the houses where the blood is applied and the death angel will go and kill. Now, who did he first tell that to? Moses. Moses' servants. How did the rest of the children of Israel know? Because their leader that spoke to God came and told them. So every person that was a part of the children of Israel that was under Moses' leadership came to know that, guess what? On this specific day, God is going to pass through this town and whatever house don't have the blood applied, he's going to kill. And if you didn't have that word, you were going to die if you were the firstborn of 
any household. So today, if you don't know how to get saved, the Bible says that we must understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Almighty God. And if we don't see that and repent of our sins and get baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we cannot be saved. That has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with how God rolled out his plan. That's just what he does. That's what he did way back then, and he's still doing it today. The church has the answer because the church belongs to God. And so the church is his body, and he gives the answer to the church, and the church gives the answer to the world. It's up to the world to decide, do I take the answer that the church has given me? If they don't take it, then guess what? When the plague comes, when the death angel comes, they're going to die unless they hear the church and do what the church says because the church is only saying what God has already said. We can't get around the church. So for everybody that want to say we don't have to do this, God speaks to his people. And if you're not his, you won't know. And so if you want to know, you better go to God's people and say, what is God saying about this? The only way we're going to know. For some reason, we think we can find stuff out some other way. God speaks to his people. You want God to speak to you? Become his people. These regulations surrounding the lamb and how it is was to be used for Passover point forward to the lamb of God. Jesus Christ, who also without blemish. Without spot, Jesus never had any broken bones. Man, oh man. He told them way back then, when you get the lamb, he said, roast it whole. My God, church, do you understand? Who could do that? He said, roast the lamb whole. Don't break the bone and just eat it. And whatever you can eat, burn it up. Get rid of it. Be done with it. He said all of that, don't break the bone, because he said he knew he would come one day as the lamb slain for man. And he would come and they would crucify him, but they could not break his bone. Who you think can do that? Nobody else can do that. Jesus is the almighty God. And what he says, it must, it must come to pass. Whatever he says, it must come to pass. Jesus sacrificed himself as a lamb without blemish. This is why we know he didn't sin. If he had sinned, he would have been a lamb with blemish. But he never committed a sin all while he was on this earth. So he was a sinless, unblemished lamb that was slain for our sins. And his blood covers the multitude of our sins once and for all. Is the word of God. In 1 Peter 1 verse 18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Finally, during the feast of the Passover, the wine is a representative of the blessing given in Exodus. If you look at Exodus chapter 6, verse number 6, the word of the Lord says, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Church, we're all burdened down with stuff in the world. And here is the loving God. 
the gracious God that is saying, I will bring you from under the burdens of the world. Do we want to get from under the burdens, the bondage of the world, or do we just want to keep on being burdened with the things of this world? Because when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so when you serve God, the burden is light. But when you serve the world, the burden is heavy and it weighs you down. Somebody understand, it is just right to say, let me serve God and not serve this world. The Last Supper, we're going to read here in Matthew 26, verse 17. The Last Supper is that Passover meal, that same celebration. From all the way, way back then in Exodus, when they were told about the Passover. Here we are, Jesus on the scene. He's having the Last Supper, but this Last Supper is that same Passover supper. That same Passover celebration. Keeping that tradition. This is why I say sometimes it got to grieve us because where's our passion? Because we, we, we get weary. We start out doing things and then we start dwindling. We start our fire go out. And that's not what God is calling us to do. If we start out, we need to keep going. And if we're getting weary, we need to go to him and say, God, I'm getting weary, but I'm going to keep on going. Will you strengthen me? Then I will keep on going because I cannot be weary in this hour because whatever we start in Christ, we got to finish it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. Now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, where will thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master said, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they, and, and they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish the same time shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Can you imagine Jesus saying this for the one that will betray me? It would have been better for him not to have been born. My God, help us that we don't betray you. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye of all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sin. That was the description of the Last Supper. Can I tell you something? Let me slip this in here. What a lot of people don't understand about uh, this text here, this is what we use for communion. Okay, so when we're doing communion, we use this text and and go from this text or in Corinthians. But it's the same thing. Here is what we don't realize when he starts to break the bread. This is something different, which I will explain in a second. When he broke the bread and start to give it and everybody had a piece of bread. Remember now, he says, this is my body. My body. When you break the bread and everybody get a piece church let me tell you how heavy jesus is we know he's heavy but here is how heavy he is when everybody get the bread right and they, 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 they have their part and they they eat it his body is broken and separated because it goes to different individuals you ready for this when we come together his body comes together 
we have no we have no clue what church really means. When we say we're gathering together to worship the Lord, we just we just we're so off in what we understand. But what we don't realize is every time we come together, we bring Jesus back to So when you stay away, what you're saying is you're, you're part of his body is separated. This is why. Think about it. When he says that when the rapture comes, nobody will get to heaven before anybody. He don't miss a thing. He don't miss a trick. So when it's time for the rapture, nobody gets up there before anybody. Why? Because his body got to always be to. Man, God, you don't miss a thing. Nobody gets to heaven before anybody else. God don't separate his body. So why are we trying to separate it? He doesn't. He keeps it together. So when he says, here, 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 he says, okay, now that you have a part of me in you because you have eaten my body, every time you come together, you make me whole. We can stay away from the body all we want. All I can do is teach God's word for you. You decide what you're going to do with it. But I'm telling you, it's so significant that we come together. It's so important that we come together as the body of Christ because that's what he intends. That's why he says, fail not to assemble yourself as we see the day of the Lord approaching that much more. Because we bring him together. We make his body one when we come together. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus directed the Passover meal with his disciples. However, Jesus purposely changed the order of the meal. There was bread, but instead of of being broken in remembrance of the night when the Israelite fled Egypt or the wilderness wandering, Jesus said the bread was symbolic of his body. And it was meant to be broken and to be blessed in remembrance of him. In addition, in all previous times of the Passover remembrance, the wine represented the covenant promise of God to bring out Israel from the yoke of the Egyptians, to rescue Israel from slavery, to redeem Israel with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment and to show the Lord would take Israel as his own people and be their God. These are covenant promises, and normally they would be the focus of remembrance during drinking of the wine on Passover. However, just as the meaning of the bread was changed, Jesus was the wine. Jesus said the wine would be representative of his blood. Jesus said his disciples should drink the wine in remembrance of him. He did this because he was initiating a new covenant. The Last Supper was celebrated differently than the typical Passover meal. During the Passover meal conducted by Jesus, there was a ritual hand washing, breaking of bread, and drinking of wine. The meaning of each of these have been previously explained. However, there were no bitter herbs. During the Last Supper, Jesus had with his disciples. Why were there no bitter herbs? On the night before he was condemned to crucifixion, Remember, the bitter herbs was meant to remind Israel of their bondage in Egypt. It was missing from the Last Supper because the Gentiles, who we are, whom Jesus was intended to incorporate into his new covenant, could not relate to slavery Israel had endured. Further, even though Jesus suffered a gruesome death on the cross, his death sealed once and for all the victory of his church and the doom of the demonic rebellion against the kingdom of God. Thus, bitter herbs are not a part of communion because the cross is an event of victory and not of sorrow. As an instrument, the cross, as an instrument of death, the cross was detested by the Jews. Uh Uh-huh. Curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Uh-huh. 
Hence, it became a stumbling block to them. For how could one, a curse of God, be their Messiah? This is one of the big reasons why they can't accept Jesus, because in their mind, he got to be cursed. So how can somebody be cursed and be our Messiah? He got to be cursed. And so this is the stumbling block that is before the Jews because they think that there's no way he can be the Messiah. This is why they're still waiting for the Messiah because their Messiah could not be crucified, hung on a tree because curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. The cross had been a major stumbling block in the way of the Jews preventing the majority of them from accepting Jesus as the Messiah. The Apostle Paul summed up the importance of crucifixion best. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. You see how the word just go fitly joined together to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God out of the ugliness and agony of crucifixion, God accomplished the greatest good of all, the redemption of sinners. That's what he did. That's what this week is all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, he rose on, on, on the seventh day. But the bottom line is we're in the point in time where this was when he really experienced all of what he experienced and then died. This need to be more riveting to us. This need to be more passionate to us. It's need to challenge us in such a way where we will get a fresh renewed. If we're looking for a, a freshness, a, a renewing of God in our life, this week is supposed to do it. When we think about what he has done, this was real. This wasn't a story. This was real. This wasn't a figment of our imagination. This was real. He suffered pain. He suffered hurt. He suffered torture. This was real. It's not a story. It happened. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, and I'm closing up here. Wherever I get done, that's where I'm done. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let me tell you something. Jesus completed, or if you want to say fulfilled, his mission because he never lost sight of the outcome, the result. All why he was going through what he was going through. He never lost focus. He never lost sight. He always had his eyes on the results. He always had his eyes on completion of the mission that he was on. He was always focused, and when they whooped him 39 times, he still had his focus on the mission, on the results. And when they put a crown of thorn on his head, he still had his focus. They couldn't take his focus. They might have taken his life. They might have beaten him. They might have spat upon him, but they couldn't take his focus because his focus was on us. His focus was on the people people of God being saved. His focus was always that one day they would be saved because of what I'm doing and I can't give up and I won't give up. And that's what he did. He kept his focus. He kept his focus, church. We got to keep our focus. We got to keep our focus on Jesus because he kept his focus on us. We're struggling for no reason. We're struggling for all kind of silly stuff. And God was being beaten. And God was being, he put crown of thorns on his head. He was lied on, spat upon, treated bad. And he kept his focus. Why can't we keep our focus? 
Why can't we keep our focus on him? He kept his focus on us. This is what the scripture meant when it says, who for the joy that was set before him. Oh, while he was going through, he had joy unspeakable because he saw you when you were going to re- Oh, God, man. He saw you when the day that you finally said, okay, Lord, and you repented of your sins and you got baptized in his name. He saw that before it happened. He saw you when you were going through all your bad struggles and all your hurt and all your pain. But he knew that one day you were going to come his way and he kept focus on that. He saw you. He saw me and he saw so many others. And that's why he endured the cross. He saw us. He saw us. And no matter what, they couldn't distract him. And no matter what they said, they couldn't get him to look any other way. He saw us. He saw us. He saw that we will have a way out. He saw that we can be delivered. He saw that we can be saved. He saw that we can be healed. He saw us. And that's why he kept going. That's why he kept going. He saw us. He, he said, who for the joy of the Lord? We are his joy. We are the joy of the Lord. We are the joy of the Lord because he sees us. He sees us. And that's why he kept going. That's why he kept going, church. That's why he kept going. I'm not telling you not going to mess up, but I'm telling you get up. And put your focus back on Jesus and keep on going. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to get weak and weary. But get up and put your focus back on Jesus. Because that's why he made it to the end for you and me. He never lost sight of you. He never lost sight of me. He never lost sight of what needed to be done. So today we can have the, the opportunity for eternal life. He kept his focus. He's kept his focus. He kept his focus. And, and if you want to be real, what's wrong and what's our struggle, we're not keeping our focus. Too many things have distracted us. Too many things have gotten our focus. And that's why we're, we can't finish the mission. That's why we're having a problem completing the mission. Because we got too many things that's grabbing our attention. He, he persevered because he stayed focused. On the results, the outcome, the reward. You being saved is a reward to him. Oh, God. He can focus. Listen to me. We must have single focus on Jesus if we want to complete our mission in him. We cannot look two different places or two different directions at the same time. You try looking in different directions at the same time and see what happens. You're either going to go wrong. You're either going to stand still. You're going to make mistakes because you can't look in many different places all at once. Once you take your focus off him, you will miss your way. You will miss your way once you take your focus off him. Your salvation is the joy of Jesus. Your salvation is the joy of Jesus. We can't take our focus off him, church. Jesus was crucified on the Passover. Think about that. The night that the, the angel that went through Egypt and killed all the firstborns where the blood was not applied, that was the Passover night. And he got crucified on the Passover. The lamb that was killed to feed that family, he took the place of that lamb. Jesus was crucified on the Passover. He was in the grave for the feast of unleavened bread, and he rose on the feast of first fruits. His Holy Spirit was given to us, the church, on the day of Pentecost, which was the 50th day after his resurrection from the grave. Everything our God does, it is significant. Everything that he does have meaning, and we treat it like, well, this is important, but that ain't that important. That's how we look at the word of God. 
Well, okay, but this over here. Now, this over here is really important, but that's not really that important. When everything he says and everything he does is important, how dare us act like some of it is, but some of it isn't for all that he's gone through, for this plan that he's laid out before us. The resurrection celebration is important to Christians because it marks the beginning of the New Testament. Israel is no longer alone in their claim to be the heritage of the God of creation. But all people are now free to be adopted into the covenant promises, the New Testament, which is the church. And so today, we remember the Passover because Jesus is the Passover. Jesus is the Passover. For the church, he is the Passover. And we must understand that. We can't let this escape us like it's just some. Everybody is different. Can I tell you a secret? I've never watched The Passion of Christ. I've never watched any kind of movie that depicts all of that stuff. It's too real to me. I don't even mess with it. Whatever is real to me like that, when it comes down to my God, I don't even want to mess with nothing. Else. Everybody different. I'm, don't, don't, don't think that means anything. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just telling you how it is it's heavy to me. That I don't watch it because I just know what Jesus went through is real. And I don't ever want to watch it and, and, and make the mistake of thinking it's a movie. Because it ain't a movie. It's not a movie. Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus suffered for us. His own that he created, they did him in, and he created them. Let's stand. Remembering the Passover. Let's remember, church, what he has done for us. Let's remember, you know, so many times you you hear this. I heard, I I read on um, one of the um, social media outlets that another preacher that we know, he posted the other day. If God has never done, an, if God never do another thing for him, he's all right because he's praising them for the things that he's done for him already. So for what God has done for him already, he says, that's what I'm praising him for. And he doesn't have to do another thing because I got so much to praise him for, 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 for what he has done that I don't have to worry about anything new to praise him. I don't have to praise him for nothing new. Because he has done so much already that if I just take time to think about those things and praise, I will be praising all the time because he had done so much already. So I don't need to praise him for anything new. That's the kind of thoughts that we need to have flowing through our mind and stirring our hearts to say, God, you have done so much for us and we have taken so much of it for granted. Oh, God, the passion that you demonstrated when you came to earth. We're so lacking in that area. We're not as passionate as we ought to be. I told you last Sunday on Palm Sunday when they laid those palm branches and clothes and had him and and, and just was worshiping Hosanna. I'm like, oh, God, I, I feel so unworthy because I need to be more passionate. I need to be more celebratory in, in just who you are and what you've done. And I need to do better, Lord. I need to praise you more than I've ever praised you, worship you more than I've I've ever worshiped you because you have been so good and church we got to do better I got to do better you got to do better in how we worship him in how we praise him in our passion and our sacrifice because what he has done for us is not anything that compare to it nothing can compare to what he has done oh god we love you oh god we adore you and we bless your holy and majestic name great is the lord and greatly to be praised i know sometimes we go through struggles i know sometimes we we hurt i know sometimes we're in doubt i know sometimes we say god i need your help and we don't feel his help but i'm here to tell you tonight he didn't go through what he went through during that week of of, of, of giving his life just to leave
leave you by yourself uh, just to let you go through all of that uh, and not worry about you. His eyes are still on you. It was on you when he went to Calvary, and it's still on you today. So trust him and know that he will bring you through. He will see you through. He will comfort you in due season. He will watch out for you, and he will defend you because he loves you. His eyes, is a, uh, they're upon you, and you need to trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him that he may direct your path. Oh, God, have your way today, Lord Jesus. I want to be changed. I want to be different from inside out, Lord. I want your spirit to overshadow me and overwhelm my soul that, Lord, I will walk by faith and not by sight. And God, each and every day, you allow me to see a new day. Oh, God, I will remember Calvary. I will remember the days leading up to Calvary. And I will live my life, Lord God, so it will please you, so it will give honor to you. So, oh, God, you can truly be filled with joy. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, you're so worthy. You're worthy of the honor. You're worthy of the praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, bless your people tonight. Help them, Lord. Only you know how to bless us, Lord. And I pray your blessings in the life of the people of God like never before. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Order our steps, Lord. You can be filled with God's spirit tonight if you want, if you will just lift your hands and just begin to thank him for his goodness and begin to just praise him for who he is. Adore him and just begin to lift up his name. Oh, by the lifting of your voice, begin to shout out his name. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, I bless your name. Jesus, you're worthy of all the praises. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. Somebody, wherever you are, if you're in the sanctuary or you're listening, viewing virtually, God can touch you right where you are. Let him have his way in your life. Lift your hands and just worship him. Lift your hands and just begin to thank him. For God is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. You are our comforter. You are our comforter. We thank you for healing. If you need healing tonight, why don't you lift your hands? God, for every person that needs a healing, if they have lifted their hands in faith, will you touch them in their body right now? And Lord, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, let them receive healing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive your healing. I command the sickness in your body to leave your body right now. In the name of Jesus, find the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. Be healed and receive the power of God in your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we bless your name. We praise your name. Lord, we pray that your hand will be upon every one of us. And as we go to our separate abode tonight, Lord, that you will guide us and lead us. Let your word resonate in our hearts. Let your word take root into our hearts. Let it grow and produce good fruit, Lord God. Have your way, Lord. We give you honor and praise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in our life and in this service, Lord. Lead us in the path of righteousness as we continue to remember, Lord, all that you've done for us. 
We thank you tonight. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful evening. Yes, while he was on the cross, you were on his Prayer breakfast this Saturday at 8 a.m. Prayer breakfast this Saturday, 8 a.m. After prayer breakfast, we have outreach. Please join us 8 a.m. this Saturday. God bless you.